This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so you heard my name is Albi. I work at the university in Potsdam, and I've been an elder there at the church for, I think it's now four years. I, I haven't counted, but such a privilege for me to be here. It's my first time in City on a Hill in the Sunday morning. We've been here many times for other things, but uh, uh, so if you're a first-time visitor, we, we're together here. We'll, <laughs> I'll meet you at the yellow tent. <laughs> so I, I wonder if you've ever received a gift that you kind of wonder about, you know, what's this? My dad once had a birthday. Now, he wasn't a, a great cook, uh, probably still isn't. Um, and, and his mother-in-law gave him a, a really fancy pot for his birthday. And uh, he was a little bit confused about this, and, and then she explained. She said, well, you would have had to buy this pot anyway, so I've spared you the trouble of, of buying the pot. And after a while, I think he responded by saying, well, for your next birthday, you will be receiving some screwdrivers. <laughs> One of, my, one of my favorite comic strips is, is Calvin and Hobbes. It's a, it's a comic strip about a little boy and his toy tiger. Uh, and they have been invited to attend a birthday party of a little girl. And so they, they're discussing what, what they should take as a, as a gift. And so Hobbes pipes up and says, I think we should buy her a can of tuna. And then maybe she wouldn't want it. And then we could ask for it back. And then we could ask for some bread and make a tuna sandwich. Sometimes we receive gifts and we wonder about, you know, is this, is this, what kind of gift is this? And we've, we've been in the midst of the series about gifting, and we've been looking at uh, various ways that we are gifted, and we've been working on, on Sunday mornings through the series, and also in your light groups, you've been, you've been working through some materials, and you have these wonderful gifts, gifted books that you've been working through, looking at daily devotionals. And so we've been focusing on, so what is, what is our giftings? And if you, if you are not connected, let me encourage you to get into a light group. It's not too late. You'll be blessed by going through this material with us. And we've been using Romans 12, and Romans 12 says that it lists seven gifts. And I'm sure you're familiar with them already. Prophesying, serving, teaching, to encourage, to lead, to give, and to show mercy. And today I want us to look at these gifts of serving and of mercy. Now through this series, we've noted that these gifts, we can understand them in three different ways. So we can, we can firstly understand them as something that all of us are called to do as Christians. All of us are called to do all of these things. All Christians should be engaging in all of them in some way or another, right? But we've also noticed that some of us, because of our personalities, are drawn to certain things of these, and, and we like doing some of them more than some of the other ones. And we also notice that these are gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us after we are saved, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things more than we could have ever imagined. I want to focus on this last aspect a little bit. I'll come back to that today because... In what way is serving in mercy like that? It's easy for us sometimes to think of tongues or prophecy as 
as spiritual gifts given to us in the moment, but I want to, to come back to that. We've also noticed that these gifts overlap, right? So maybe if you are prophesying, often you are also encouraging. Maybe when you are teaching, you are also being prophetic. Maybe if you are showing mercy, you also need to be giving and serving. You see how they kind of they mesh together. They're not so, it's not so clear always which one, where one starts and when one ends. I personally don't think Paul was trying to be exhaustive with any of his lists. He wasn't trying to kind of catalog all of them. In this case, he is really emphasizing that each of us has something to bring. Each of us already has something in our hands that was placed there by God. And so none of us can really say, I can't contribute. Because you already, already have the thing that God has placed in your hand. If you believe in Jesus and you have been filled with the Spirit, you can never say, I cannot contribute to this community. Because God has already given it to you. If you have not put your faith in Jesus or you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, the good news is that that can change today. And God can in this moment today give you something in your hands with which you can contribute to this community. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to earn approval. You don't need to show how good you are in order to receive something in your hands. It is given as a gift to all of us. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, can I have some? Yes, Lord, can I have some? In Ephesians 4, Paul uses this image of Jesus as if he was someone who had won a war riding through the city. He says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And the, the image that, that comes up is Jesus on a chariot riding through the city. He's just won a war. He's got the spoils of war with him on his chariot, maybe a, a big bucket of gold coins. And as he rides through the streets, the people are lined up on either side. And he's taking these hands full of gold coins and throwing them into the people, distributing the victory that he has won to his people. And different people catch these coins, and some of them catch one, and some of them catch three, and some of them have a really nice one, and some of them have one that looks maybe a little bit more plain. The point is not the comparison of how many coins you have or how nice the coin looks to you. The point is how wonderful the one is who is throwing the coins. The point is this man he, he's the victor. He's the one who won, and let's glorify him. What a wonderful winner. What a wonderful victor who shares his victory with his people. So I said we, we're thinking about the gifts of service and of mercy, and my first question when I hear this is, in what way is this a gift? Imagine your friend came to you. It was your birthday, and he's your best friend, or she's your best friend, and, and, and she, they came to you and they said, congratulations on your birthday. Today, you get to mow my lawn. <laughs> Freely given to you. <laughs> See, if, if, if I'm using this gift of service, that means I need to get up early. I need to go out of my way. I need to give up my time. I need to put some energy into someone else's thing. I need to make myself less. It, it feels like work, doesn't it? Or if I'm using this gift of showing mercy, it means I need to forgive someone. I need to 
find people who seem to me unlovable and I need to care for them. I need to show them kindness. I need to deal with their issues. I need to spend time with them. It feels like work. So, so how is this a gift? You see, in our, in our modern mindset, gifts are something that makes my life easier and nicer. Right? Maybe I get a nice tool for my workshop. Or maybe I get a, a nice piece of technology that I can enjoy using. Or maybe I get some chocolates or, or some flowers or something nice. It you know, makes my life feel good. We tend to think that gifts are supposed to add to my comfort and my well-being. But service and mercy are not like that. They don't often add to my comfort and my well-being. In sometimes they feel like the opposite. Sometimes they tend to drain my comfort. Sometimes they tend to drain my sense of well-being. So Paul, in what way are these gifts? Here's how I think about it. They are gifts because they are expressions of the nature of God Himself. By doing these two things, you are doing the things that God is busy doing in the world. You get to share, the gift is, you get to share in God-like character and God-like joy. There's the gift. Let me show you quickly how mercy and service are expressions of God's character. You remember the God called the Israelites out of Egypt, right? And they come to Mount Sinai, and, and Moses goes up on the mountain. And while Moses is up on the mountain, the Israelites get a little bit confused about who God is. And they start making this calf, and they start worshiping this calf. And, and both God and Moses are, are really upset. And so they convene a meeting, and they, they're discussing what's going on here. And somehow God relents to Moses' cry that he would not destroy his people. So God says, okay, I won't destroy them. And, and, and somehow Moses convinces him that he should come with his people. He shouldn't leave them. And at the end of this conversation, Moses says, he's getting bolder and bolder, I think. And he says, God, I want to see your glory. God, I want to see your glory. And God says, okay, I'll show you my glory. And as he passes by Moses, he proclaims his name Here's what he says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Oh, I missed a bit. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So it's not a blanket mercy, but God's declaration of himself is, I am merciful. And over and over throughout the Bible, he displays this character trait. Over and over, he shows mercy where punishment would have been appropriate. He, he restores and reconciles to his people. He, he goes the extra mile. He, in fact, reaches out to his people when they abandon him. When they're unfaithful, he loves them. You see, showing mercy is one of the central characteristics of God revealed to us in the Bible. With regards to service, Jesus said of himself, he came not to be served, but to serve. 
to give his life as a ransom for many. And Paul says in Philippians 2 that Jesus had every right to make claims based on being God. And yet he gave all of those rights up and he became a servant. And when he was a servant in human form, he even humbled himself lower, being crucified on a cross, which was one of the most humiliating ways to die at that time. So at these two crucial moments in the history of God's work with His people, at the giving of the first covenant and at the giving of the second covenant, or at the giving of the law and at the coming of Jesus, God reveals Himself as being merciful and as being a servant. Imagine for a moment what, Jesus, what God could have revealed. Imagine for a moment, as Moses says, show me your glory. What could God have shown? God could have shown his awesome power. He could have shown, he could have created a whole new galaxy. He could have shown his amazing wisdom, his incredible insight into everything that's happening in the world. And yet he doesn't choose to show any of these things. He chooses to show mercy. And imagine as Jesus came to earth, as he became a little baby and grew up, what were the ways that God could have revealed himself in Jesus? He could have chosen to be the most powerful man in the world, to rule over all the nations, to have a throne somewhere and be the greatest emperor ever to live. He could have chosen to be the greatest sportsman or the richest person ever to live. And he chose none of these things. He chose to show himself as a servant. You see, these two things are essential to how we understand God. They are essential to who God is. And the gift of service and mercy means that God supernaturally empowers you to share in his character. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve to share in his character. You don't earn it in any way. The Holy Spirit comes and he does this in us supernaturally, by grace and through his love. And then he uses these characteristics in us to change other people, to change the world. So do these two gifts take work? Yeah, absolutely. They take energy. Are they worth it? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely they are worth it. So I want us to think just quickly about what is service and what is mercy? Kind of what, what, what does it look like? Service is simply giving yourself to someone else to help someone else. The other word for service is ministry. And often we tend to think of ministry as, you know, the, the thing that happens here when people get prayed for or, or the things that, things that happen on, on, on the stage. That's, that's ministry and the things that happen out there, that's, that's service. But actually it's the same word. It's the same idea. So when I think of service in the church, I, I often think of sweeping and stacking chairs and washing cups, and these are wonderful ways of serving. Using your practical skills, using your time and your energy to help someone else. And many of you are doing this so well. I was so amazed walking in this morning to the prayer meeting there in the foyer, and I don't know, 50 people, 70 people, all there to serve. Well done, City on a Hill. So proud of you for giving your time and coming to serve, coming to help people. 
But maybe as you walked into the, into the venue today, you noticed something. Maybe you noticed a, a problem with the band, or maybe you noticed something about the walls or the color or the decorations. Maybe you noticed something about cleanliness. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of these things. What I'm saying is that each of us notices different things, right? My mom has this incredible sense of smell, and she'll walk into a room and like, something, something's wrong. Something, we need to clean this room. And, and I'm like, what? I, don't, I don't smell anything. The reason why you notice these things is because you are different from other people who didn't notice those things. When you notice it, you have a choice. Either you can complain or you can try and do something about it. Right? Often we are like, why don't they do something about this stupid thing that irritates me so much? Well, maybe you're the only person who gets irritated by it. And maybe you should try and do something about it. Maybe no one else is noticing it. We can use our gifts. Those things that you are noticing are clues to the things that you can contribute to. So go to the person who's responsible for that area and say, hey, can I, can I contribute? Can I get, be part of a team? Can I help you in some way? So service in the Bible includes this very practical aspect of of helping other people with your time and your energy. But it's also a bigger concept. Like I said, the word ministry is included in service. In, in Act 6, we encounter a crisis. The early church leaders are running themselves silly. They have been, you know, going from house to house preaching. They've been praying for people. They've been seeing people healed. And they're also trying to give food to people who are hungry and helping the widows. And, and they're just running out of steam and they're getting sucked into conflicts, and that's taking them away from the things that they feel God has called them to do. And so they say this, we should not be serving tables, we should be serving the Word. They use the same word. Actually, the word is the one that we use for deacon. We, we should be serving the Word. And when they say this, they're not pulling rank. They're not saying, hey, we, you know, we're better than serving on tables. And what they're saying is, God has given us a clear calling and a clear mandate, and we need to fulfill that mandate. And there are other people who have a clear calling and a clear mandate for this aspect. And if everybody is giving the bit that they are called to, then everything will function in the way that it's supposed to. Does it mean that they never served tables after this? I don't think so. We don't, we don't know. But I don't think so, because they had the heart of Jesus. And Jesus' heart was, we're here to serve people. It just means I'm not responsible for this thing. There's someone who is better suited to look after that thing than I am. You see, service underpins every other gift. Service is the attitude with which we approach every other gift. In fact, the cross is the first spiritual gift. And every spiritual gift that comes after the cross should look like the cross. It should look like a laying down. It should look like a giving myself for, for others. Whether you are preaching or prophesying or praying in tongues or leading a service or sweeping the floor or carrying a chair, all of those things are displays of the cross of Jesus. <laughs> that is worth applauding. That, that is exactly the heart of service. So where can I serve? You can serve at work. 
I, I was working at a school many years ago, and two of my friends, Christian friends, from time to time, the headmaster would come into the, into the meeting room, and he would say, you know, there's this thing that needs to be done, and could, could I get a volunteer? And you know, you know, there's this kind of awkward silence, and, and no, one, no one's looking, you know, no one's looking at the headmaster, and you know how that goes. And they said, why, do, don't, why don't we just say yes? It, it doesn't take a lot, often. Why not just say yes? Why, why not have the attitude of, well, I'm happy to help. Paul actually says, speaking to, to slaves, he says, slaves, when you are serving your earthly masters, do it as if you are serving Jesus. None of us at work are, are slaves, I hope. But in your workplace, you can serve as if the person who's asking is Jesus. Maybe we can serve at home. Sometimes we have this attitude of, you know, guys especially, when I, when I come home, this is my, this is my castle, and I'm, I'm going to sit on my, on my chair, and wife, bring me my snacks, and wife, bring me my whatever. And but actually, the Bible says we are to serve one another. Our home life should reflect the nature of Christ. Maybe we can serve on Sundays. We've spoken about various things that you can do there. Maybe we can serve in our communities. Maybe you are the person who notices the rubbish on the street and does something about it. Maybe you are the person who notices that the verges haven't been cut and does something about it. Maybe you are the person who notices that the, 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 the school is, is a disgrace and, and gathers some people and does something about it. Maybe we can display the character of Christ in our communities. And so service is not just something that you do on Sunday. That is a great way to serve. It is much bigger than what we do on Sunday. It is a lifestyle of looking after the needs of others. Start with, what do I notice? Where can I contribute? There is a space for everybody. And there is such need for everybody. So, second gift. What is mercy? Mercy is being kind to people who are in trouble. Now, when I think of the gift of mercy, I think of Romka, and he's not here this morning, so I can talk about him without embarrassing him. But he's amazing at getting help to people who need it on a scale that is just inconceivable. Right? He, he does these amazing projects and, you know, just tons of food, and I don't, I don't know. But when I make the connection between the gift of mercy and what Romka does, I tend to exclude myself. Because I don't have the time or the energy or the skills or the connections to make that happen. So then I say, well, I can't do that. I'm, that's not me. But I want to warn you against this. When, when we see someone who is amazing at prophecy, it doesn't mean that I can't hear God's voice. Or let's take it into the world. When I see someone who's amazing at playing soccer, that doesn't mean that I can't kick the ball. All right? So we celebrate the romkas of this world, but each of us has an opportunity to give in this way. Remember, it's not about how many coins you got when Jesus distributed his coins. It's about him getting glory. So mercy can be shown in, in many different ways, and, and the obvious way that we think of is practical, right? People need 
food, people need clothes, people need shelter, people need to be treated hospitably. And so we share mercy in those ways, practically. But we can also share mercy spiritually by offering forgiveness to those who have hurt us, by helping someone with discipleship, by training them, by teaching them, by raising them into a new place in their spiritual walk with Jesus. We can also show mercy emotionally by helping someone find healing, by helping someone find rest and restoration and joy and peace. All of these are acts of mercy, seeing something that's broken, seeing something that's hurting and stepping in and saying, we have some kind of answer to this. We want to walk with you. We want to stand with you. You see, often when we think of the gift of mercy, we think of rich people helping poor people. But my question is, how do the poor people show mercy? Because Jesus has given each of us this gift. Each of us carries this call. It's not something that suburb people do for township people. It's not something that people with homes do for people without homes. It doesn't matter where you live or how much you have. You can show mercy because it is a characteristic of God's nature that is displayed through you. So you cannot exclude yourself from this because I, I don't have, I can't. No, we have something. We have something that we can give. I think of the, the man at the gate. And Peter and John encounter him and they say, well, we don't have money, but what I do have I'll give to you. Stand up in the name of Jesus. They were showing mercy. If you, have a, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have received mercy and you can dispense mercy. Who are you able to forgive? Who are you able to support? Who are you able to help? There's a little bit of caution with this gift, though. We need to judge the effectiveness of this gift. There was a wonderful ad that was run by the city of Cape Town a number of years ago. And what they did is they put a vending machine on the corner of a street. And this vending machine, from time to time, spit out some coins. And then you'd see these businessmen in their suits or these business ladies all dressed up fancy, walking by, and as they walk by, some coins pop out of this machine. So they stop and they pick up the coins, and then they stand and wait. Is it going to spit out some more coins or not? And the tagline for this advert was, small change can keep anybody on the street. Not everything that we might consider an act of mercy is necessarily helping the person that we are trying to help. And so we need to be careful and we need to think and we need to come alongside people who have thought about this and people who have good structures in place and people who have good ways of helping people so that we can help people really help them, not just make ourselves feel better. Because often we are doing something just because, yeah, I'm feeling guilty about this guy, so let me give him five rand and then I won't feel guilty. But actually, there's no help involved in that. So, service and mercy are displays of God's character. And when you are operating in the spiritual gift, you're not only contributing to the church and to the society, but you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are filled with joy, and you see the fullness of your labor as the Spirit empowers you. Some of you find it easy to do these things, and let's not try and just be good at them. But let's try and see the hand of God 
operating in them. In the, in the book of Corinthians, Paul calls spiritual gifts manifestations. Right? And two ways we can think about this. Manifestation means making something visible. So as you operate in the gift of service and of mercy, you are making visible something of God's hand in your life. But they also are things that are given in the moment. When you are speaking in tongues, in that moment, God gives utterance to what you are saying. Same with prophecy. If you are prophesying in that moment, you have a revelation and you can share it. It's the same with the gift of service and with mercy. We don't often think of it that way, but as I serve, I can be empowered with the Holy Spirit. It's not necessarily something that I have the gift of service and now so for the rest of my life, I mean, I'm just going to be the guy who's putting out the chairs and it's going to get so tiring and I'm going to get so bored. No, every time I put out the chairs, I can experience something of the joy of the Holy Spirit. I can say, God, won't you empower me in this moment to serve with the power that you give me? So I want to point out three dangers with these gifts. The danger, number one, is getting too busy. Doing everything for everyone, never saying no, becoming a doormat rather than a willing servant. Doing the things that God has called you is important, not the things that everybody wants you to do. We need to have some boundaries. And it's good to have a, someone that you're talking to in your life to say, hey, you know, here's the, here are the things I'm doing. Just, am I doing okay? Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? What, what do you think? Second one is running on empty. Stopping to operate in the spiritual gift and starting to do this in your flesh. Not doing it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Not asking the Holy Spirit to assist you and to strengthen you. And the third danger is losing the bigger picture. Getting caught up in the day-by-day -day small things. I have to do this, and I have to get that thing done, and I have to get here, and I have to do that, and I have to do that. And we tend to lose the bigger picture. Why are we doing this thing? So we read the first part of Philippians 2 earlier, and Paul concludes this poem, really, telling about Jesus, how Jesus became a servant to all of us. And he says that we should have the same attitude as Jesus. He says, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you see the purpose? The purpose why Jesus became a servant is so that he might be glorified and so that every knee might bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And that is our vision. That is our dream, friends. We want to see Jesus glorified and we want to see people bowing the knee before him. And these gifts of service and mercy are ways for us to have that, get that done. Ways for us to see that in action. And so when you are setting out a chair, you're not just setting out a chair, you're setting out a chair so that every knee will bow, so that every tongue will confess, so that Jesus might be glorified. When you are sweeping this, the, the floor, or you are cleaning the street, or you are helping someone at work, you're not just 
helping or sweeping or cleaning. You are contributing to the purpose of God in all the earth, which is to see Jesus glorified, to see Jesus exalted, to see Jesus lifted up. I want us to, to pray together as, I, as we wrap up this morning. Maybe you are one of those who have become too busy, you have been running on empty, or you have lost the bigger picture. I want us to pray together for our brothers and sisters. And, and friends, this is not something to be ashamed of. Remember the, the apostles in Acts 6? They had this problem. They got into too much stuff and lost the bigger picture and realized, hey, okay, God give me wisdom. How should I serve? Where should I serve? So it's not a, something to be ashamed of. It's just something to come to God with and say, hey, God, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I missed it a little bit. Can you realign me? Can you just help me to see again what it is that I'm supposed to be doing? So let's just pray together. If that's you, maybe you can stretch out your hands and just acknowledge to the Lord, hey, God, I'm, I'm running on empty. God, I, I've become too busy. Lord, I've lost the bigger picture. Father, you see every heart and every, every hand that's raised. I ask that you pour out your spirit this morning on your brothers and sisters, on my brothers and sisters, Lord. I ask that you meet with them right now, Lord. I pray for a fresh vision. I pray for a fresh reflection on, on why we are doing things, Lord Jesus. I pray for a fresh infilling, a fresh joy as they serve, Lord Jesus. And we pray for fruitfulness to come out of this service, Lord Jesus. We don't just want to do stuff, but we want to do stuff that brings you glory. We want to do stuff that brings you honor. We want to do stuff that helps people to worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Maybe this morning you are, you are here and you, you've never responded to Jesus and said to Jesus, I want to serve you. You are the one that's worth serving. You've been running around serving everybody else, doing stuff for other people, but you have never said to Jesus, hey Jesus, I want to serve you. If that's you this morning, we'd love to pray with you. So just while every eye is closed, if you want to raise your hand and say, Jesus, I want to serve you. We'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want to serve you. You are worth serving. You are wonderful. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are worth serving. You are worth laying our lives down for, Lord. You are worth getting up early, staying up late. Lord, you are worth putting energy and effort into something. You are worth it, Lord. And we want you to receive glory and honor and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.